Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark, Denmark Life the Country, a.k.a. Copenhagen, a.k.a. Demi. And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. And since sports never stops, since sports never sleeps, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff. I'm your host, the one and only, Anthony Denmark, Denmark Like the Country. And all those stadiums are empty all around the country. We do know that college football never stops. College football never sleeps. And like I always say, I consider it my duty, my calling, as well as my pleasure to always let you guys know what's happening and what's up in the world of college football. Now, of course, as usual, we have a lot of things on tap for today's show. Of course, I'm going to talk about what's going on in Ole Miss, Hugh Freeze. Remember the first memories we had of Hugh Freeze? You know, he was a coach from the blind side. He was the coach that was so accurately portrayed in a Disney movie. He then became the coach who beat Alabama. He's now found himself as being the coach mired in scandal and no and controversy. How this thing is going to play itself out, nobody has a clue. It's just interesting how much things have changed from year to year. As he started off as a Disney movie, now he finds himself entangled in mess. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to parallel that, of course, to one of the greatest sports movies of all time, Blue Chips. We're going to play the final speech, and you can tell me if, in fact, you hear Hugh Freeze in that speech. Uh, in addition to that, we're going to, of course, talk, continue our series where we're talking about college football programs, talk about those players who are declared for the draft, getting ready for the draft, getting ready for the combine, excuse me, which is less than uh, eight days away. We're going to talk about the guys leaving, the guys coming, and whatever big stories that may have found itself being breaking news. Now, of course, we plan our schedule weeks in advance, but it just so happens that, uh, you know, today was going to be a Florida State day, and I guess I should uh, give Jameis a high five, as, of course, it just so happened to work perfectly talking about Florida State, which fits in with us also talking about Jameis Winston. And, the whole issue with Jameis Winston did make me pose a couple of questions. I'm going to, of course, pose that to our guest caller, uh, Florida State uh, faithful alumni, both undergrad and law school, uh, because Charles Barkley once said, I'm an athlete, but I'm not a role model. And I'm just wondering, I mean, with everything that happened with Jameis Winston, the fact either innocent or guilty, was that really a good choice to have come and speak to your students? But eh, we're not going to go too far into that. Um, but we go ahead and get our call on the line. Uh, his name is Jared Ross, a good friend of mine. Uh, 
been with me since the start of this podcast to get him on to talk about the Florida State Seminoles, who, of course, ended the season on fire. So let's go ahead and get him on the line to find out what's happening and what's up. Those knows in Tallahassee. Welcome to the show. Hey, Anthony. How are you doing tonight? I am doing fine. It just so happened by coincidence that the guy that was trending on Twitter just happened to fit into us talking about Florida State. So I guess without <laughs> further ado, a guy that, we, of course, we've talked about many times, uh, Jameis Winston. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's definitely <sighs> gained, gained so much infamy for his impassioned speeches. I guess maybe he's just grown accustomed to those speeches being given to a group of guys. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it, it seems his heart was in the right place, but uh, I, I'll just give you the floor. <laughs> well, you know, I I, I got to say, uh, I think if anyone else had said this, it probably is not that big of a deal. Um, it's probably right. not made into the, the news story that it's been, but, you know, Jameis has his past, and unfortunately uh, he kind of stepped in it uh, in, in this instance. Uh, if you watch the video and, and you actually read it in context, it's not nearly as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be. That's not to say that he right. shouldn't have said it. Um, he, you know, this is a guy that, that claims to be pretty self-aware. He's got to be more aware of what he says. I think the message he was trying to deliver was not necessarily a, a terrible one, but he did it in a terrible manner. Um, he has apologized, and uh, you know, knowing what I know about Jameis, He's going to go and he's going to do whatever he can to make that right. Uh, that this is a guy who cares about his community, has really embraced the the Tampa Bay community and being a part of the Tampa Bay family. And uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him, you know, do something to to make this right. I don't know what that is, but uh, the, you know, in his heart, he's not a bad guy. Um, you know, has he made some bad decisions in his life? Sure. But what we all forget is, you know, we've, we've heard a lot from him and about him for a long time. He's still 22 years old. And I look yeah, back at 22-year-old me, and I can tell you I made some dumb choices. And now at my age, uh, I'm glad we didn't have Twitter. I'm glad we didn't have Facebook. And uh, glad that, that we didn't have camera phones when I was in college, that's for sure. I, I for one, totally do agree with that. Uh, I feeling and But I guess one of the things that's interesting is, what I always say about James Winston is this guy is not a dumb job. This guy, of course, got accepted into Stanford, was almost going to go to Stanford before he decided to go to Florida State. I, I for one, read the transcript. His heart was definitely in the right place. I think it just came down to the fact of who was delivering the message. Uh, but one of the things that I could the segue that into college football as well as to Florida State is you look at the group of the collection of quarterbacks that uh, – Jimbo Fisher has been able to amass during his eight years, uh, during his eight years in Florida State, and one will never question the talent of these individuals, as of course. Uh, but however, one of the things I do find myself wondering about at this particular point is the depth. I mean, we know that Malik Henry transferred again, uh, and we also, of course, I'm happy to see that DeAndre Johnson has actually uh, got welcomed back uh, to a D1 school in the state of Florida. But what does that put the depth chart in regards to Florida State right now? Because DeAndre Francois is a talented guy with a holster for an arm, but he's a small guy. I don't know about you, but some of those hits he took, I was really creamy. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, I don't know in my years of watching college football or football at any level if I've ever seen a quarterback as tough as this kid. Uh, Francois took some hits that uh, most quarterbacks don't get up from, uh, and he just kept coming up, never missed the game, uh, missed a few snaps. Uh, the luxury that Florida State had in 2016 is – Although he wasn't as talented uh, as raw talent and, and doesn't have as much of uh, the ability to run the ball, but Sean McGuire was a, a very capable backup. And if something had happened, I think most Florida State fans would have been disappointed that, that DeAndre wasn't out there, but had the confidence that, that against most of our opponents, Sean McGuire could have led us to a win. You look now, and uh, you've got DeAndre Francois, who is is likely going to be even better this year than he was as a freshman. Uh, You know, Jimbo's track record shows that that he's pretty good with quarterbacks. But behind him, uh, you know, we're one play away from uh, the J.J. Cosentino era here at Florida State. I can tell you that does not make a lot of people in Tallahassee happy. Uh, That said, you know, we've got some some quarterbacks coming in. you you got Hockman and and, – uh, Blackman both coming in. Um, you know, Hockman's already here uh, and, and is going to be partaking in spring practice. And, and it's very likely that one of the true freshmen could end up being the backup quarterback and sur- supplanting J.J. Uh, Cosentino on the depth chart. But even still, that doesn't leave you with a whole lot of confidence should something happen. Um, so I, I think you're going to just we're, we're going to go through a season praying that the offensive line can protect DeAndre Francois a little bit more than they did in 2016. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Jared Ross, avid, faithful, uh, Knowles uh, follower. Uh, now, of course, one of the things I do want to ask you about, of course, we do know, unlike very few programs in the country, uh, Florida State never replaces. They always reload. They have a lot of talent that, of course, are going to be auditioning for the NFL. Uh, I read somewhere that the Florida State at this particular point in its history now has amassed 266 total invitees to the combine, which is crazy to think about. But, uh, however, we do know that with guys leaving, there is an expectation that uh, there's going to be some primetime players poised to come in to take their places. Uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, I know the biggest hole that I'm looking forward to is that wide receiver. Uh, of course, pretty much the entire wide receiver class is going to be uh, left for the draft, either due to graduation and also the exception in the case of Travis Rudolph. And, of course, uh, Dalvin Cook and Demarcus Walker on the other side of the ball. Who do you see in this incoming class? Who are you expecting to become the next uh, primetime player that we're going to hear about on Saturdays? Well, you know, the one thing, you, you said it, uh, you know, Florida State doesn't usually rebuild. We reload. Uh, you know, there at the end of the, the Coach Bowden era, we certainly had our down times. But uh, under Jimbo, it's, you know, next man up. Um, you're never going to replace a guy like Dalvin Cook. He is uh, far and away the best running back to ever play at Florida State. And and I say that having gone to college watching Warwick Dunn, who uh, yeah. holds a special place in every Knowles heart. But at the end Absolutely. of the day, Dalvin Cook did things that nobody has done, in not just in Garnet and Gold, but really in, in college football. Uh, the guy was unbelievable. Put up four, over 4,000 yards in three years, the only person ever to do that in the ACC. Uh, so, you know, you can't really look to replace him, but there's a lot of excitement about this incoming class. You've got uh, running backs galore, obviously – 
Cam Akers is the big name out of out of Mississippi. Uh, he, you know, five star running back. Uh, depending on where you look, he's either the number one or number two running back in the country. You got Laybourne coming in. Uh, you know, you, you still have Rasul on, on the uh, Amir Rasul on the the uh, depth chart as well. And then of course there's Jock Patrick, the uh, the bruising back. So. Uh, and, and, you know, we signed three, four or five star running backs, depending on where you mm-hmm. look. So we've got we've got talent galore there in the backfield uh, wide receiver. At the end of the year, we all saw Nooney Murray come on. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he had a few mental lapses where he made some some drops or, uh, you know, certainly on punt returns. He uh, needs to learn to call fair catch or uh, or catch the ball and, and not drop it. But uh, the guy has got a world of talent. And Auden Tate is almost uncoverable. He he's, he looks like the next uh, up and coming Kelvin Benjamin, um, which we've been missing the last couple of years. You saw Keith Gavin what he did on that uh, kick return uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the Michigan game. I mean, you, you get the ball in his hand and put him in the open field. He's tough to bring down. So wide receivers, you know, one of those areas everyone forgets about former five star uh, George Campbell. Um, that's yeah. another guy uh, who we've got. And then we signed DJ Matthews, who's a heck of a uh, wide receiver. So I think we're going to be okay there. Uh, and you mentioned Demarcus Walker. He's another one who I, I don't know that we can replace a guy like that. Uh, came in as kind of an unheralded four-star uh, defensive end. He, he flipped his commitment uh, kind of at the last minute from Alabama to Florida State and then uh, kind of missed some practice due to some, some clearinghouse issues, and, and we had trouble uh, getting him through at first, but uh, played as a true freshman on that national championship team in 2013, and I think uh, everybody saw that he made the right decision coming back for his senior year. Uh, probably made himself quite a bit of money, even though he probably would have been a second round pick last year. Um, but anyone who watched the season with on on HP or on Showtime, sorry, saw what a true leader that guy is. Uh, but we also saw, you know, Josh Sweat look look. Yeah. healthier than ever this year and, and started to really pick it up. Brian Burns, the freshman, uh, w- was a beast with, uh, you know, double-digit sacks as a true freshman. So, uh, you know, I think Florida State's in good shape. It's, uh, you know, the defensive backfield is going to be loaded again, and Derwin James is coming back uh, after suffering a, a knee injury early, earlier in the year. And I think we're going to see a, a really solid Florida State defense and, and a really deep Florida State offense other than its quarterback position. Absolutely. The well is far from dry in Tallahassee. I was looking at the latest uh, Heisman odds for Bovado, and actually, maybe to your surprise, but also but to my surprise, uh, they had DeAndre Francois, the fourth likeliest guy to win the Heisman. And, of course, that could definitely change. Over time, I'm sure, of course, the expectations are high for Tallahassee this year. And it's quite refreshing, and I'm more than sure that it's refreshing for you. Oftentimes, when we had you on the show, we were talking about off-field issues. Thus far, it seems as if Jimbo Fisher has his guys on track. They bought into the system, and you haven't really had an issue with off-field distractions. Of course, uh, you know, that continue to be a problem across the country, but it seems as if Jimbo Fisher has finally got implemented his policy and the guys have all bought in. The, yeah, they seem to be uh, seem to be doing well. You know, knock on wood, it continues. And uh, hopefully our boys are, are gearing up for spring practice and also enjoying watching uh, so, some actually some good basketball here in Tallahassee as well. Absolutely. Of course, unlike several other programs across the country, which have already 
thinking about fo- football, of course, we do know that the Florida State Sentinels have a basketball program that's doing quite remarkably as well. However, we do know that we have 190 days until Florida State versus Alabama. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show. And I definitely want to have you on throughout the season, all season, as we draw much closer to that big game in Atlanta. Looking forward to it, and I've already got my, uh, you know, I've I've got my tickets in for the uh, game in Atlanta. I'm looking forward to being there. For- Absolutely, thank you so much. Now, of course, one of the things that's often so interesting about college football is the demand and the expectation of winning, and oftentimes the demand and the expectation of winning oftentimes finds itself coming in competition with character and doing what's right and doing what's wrong. Oftentimes you see coaches try to struggle with trying to find that particular balance, knowing that maybe uh, an individual that they may be recruiting, they may not feel comfortable with, but also realizing the weight of expectation that's placed upon them in order to win. And knowing that this guy who, of course, may have questionable character, who may not have the scores, who may have had some trouble, made some troubling decisions in his past, that it be either with alcohol, drugs, or uh, issues with assault or sexual assault, you see coaches faced with those tough decisions and deciding that, you know what, in the, for the sake of their job, for the sake of their own job security, for, for the sake of trying to relieve the pressure and the expectation that it's right, but to do what is right for the program, oftentimes find themselves in very compromising situations. And oftentimes, either mostly to the fault of their own, they only really have themselves to blame. Because at the end of the day, although, of course, we do know that when we think about a coach and we think about how good or how bad he is, we oftentimes only resort ourselves to looking at the win-loss record, which, of course, does not tell us about their ability to be able to build high-character individuals. It does not say anything about their ability to be able to ensure that these young men become great fathers, great husbands, and great ambassadors for the community. It just says, however many wins, however many losses. Last night I found myself watching CBS Network. Why was I watching Colorado State versus New Mexico? I have no clue. However, I said to myself as I saw Larry Hustacey on the court, I said to myself, when we look at Larry Hustacey, this guy who, of course, nationwide is viewed as not too much of a bright light, However, when we look at his win-loss record, when we see what he was able to do at Iowa State and what he's been able to do successfully at Colorado State, we only look at the wins and we only look at the losses. And although that we know that those wins come with us having to bite our tongue, come with us having to make some type of character compromises, we still only judge these individuals based off of their ability to do what? Get more W's and have as little or as few losses as possible. Because ultimately it's about the pressure that's been placed on them by the program, by the boosters, not to do what is right for the program. And unfortunately, when you make that decision, no longer to do what is right but just to do what is best for the program, the only person that suffers is a coach. And you know what happens after that? The cycle just continues again and again and again. Either one or two things are going to happen. Either one, you're going to get better at cheating, or either two, 
you're just going to keep firing coaches. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I oftentimes, I remember when I was growing up, when I went through things in life, my mother would often refer to scriptures in order to provide me with a parable to help me in regards to understanding the situation that I went through in a way that was acceptable or made the issue much clearer to me. Now, of course, in these days, oftentimes we don't find ourselves referring to scriptures. We oftentimes refer, find ourselves referring to quotes or tweets. But oftentimes for me, I find myself referring to movies. Anytime an incident or an experience goes on in my life or anytime I see something breaking on the news, I find myself thinking about certain movie quotes. I find myself thinking about certain speeches that oftentimes parallel with that current event, which is current at that particular moment being reported. And so, of course, with the issue that took place at Ole Miss, we do know, of course, that Ole Miss recently got <laughs> hammered hard. As, of course, reports say that the NCAA conducted their own investigation and discovered that players were getting paid, discovered that the Kandishi family mate was compensated in the realm of over $250,000. You heard about players taking money, uh, $2,000, and not even coming to the school. Other players taking over $16,000 and staying at the school. And you heard about boosters giving out car loans. You heard about players getting money and other type of benefits. And I don't know about you. Maybe I'm old, or maybe you guys should just check it out. But when I thought about all those things going on, I thought about two players. I thought about Shaq, and I thought about Penny Hardaway. And no, I didn't think about Shaq and Penny when they played for the Magic. I thought about Shaq and Penny when they played for the Dolphins. And if, in fact, you don't know what I'm referring to, I'm referring to a 1997 movie called Blue Chip, where just there was a coach. This team had just came off a 14-15 and 15 record. Boosters and everybody was pressuring him to win. He wanted to do things the right way. In his mind, he had a moral compass that he wanted to live his life by. However, it came to a particular point where he had to make a tough decision in regards to did he want to be able to remain employed as a coach and do it the right way or choose to do it the right way? Because choosing to do it the right way would have possibly led to him being fired or should he have chosen to blur the lines? And, of course, he chose to blur the lines. Penny Hardaway's mom got a house. Penny Hardaway's mom got a job. One guy got a tractor. Shaq got a car. And I don't know about you, but that just sounds like exactly what happened at Ole Miss. Because before or after Ed Ogeron left Ole Miss in shambles, although, of course, he definitely got an A for effort, Ole Miss was a mess. And then Houston Nut came back, and Ole Miss was still a mess. And so there had to be a way for him to, for Hugh Freeze, the guy, of course, from Blindside, had to find a way to win. And when certain players started committing, everybody started thinking, blue chips. When Connor came, blue chips from Mississippi. When Laramie Tunsil came, blue chips. When Robert Candice came, blue chips. I don't know about you, but that's exactly what I was thinking about. 
And as this story continues to unravel, you just see that ultimately Hugh Freeze has learned a lesson, man. This is no longer Briarcrest Academy in Memphis, Tennessee. This is no longer Blindside. Now Hugh Freeze has entered into a world of expectation after going into one of the most toughest conferences in college football in the SEC West where you face off against LSU and Alabama. And although you may not have the talent, there's still an expectation for you to win. Hugh Freeze was faced with a tough decision. Do you lose with your character intact? Or do you blur the lines a bit? Make sure that you have some form of ability to have some type of deniability and, of course, then quote scriptures along the way. It seems as if Hugh Freeze is going to find himself yet again immersed in that cycle where coaches find themselves making those tough decisions. Do you want to lose with good character? Or do you want to get fired for cheating? But, hey, you know what? You got a raise out of it. And at the end of the day, you're going to probably get another opportunity to coach elsewhere. However, we do know ultimately in situations like this, the only people who find themselves suffering the biggest consequences are not the coaches making the decisions, but the players who either one were not privy to being able to make such a decision and the incoming class of players who were led to believe that what actually took place did not take place. Because I don't know about you guys, but for me, less than a month ago, players committed to Ole Miss. And I truly wonder what message was communicated to them before they signed on the dotted line, committing themselves for a year, and in some cases for four years. Because we do know in situations like this, when you do find yourself falling on the sword and only banning yourself from going to a postseason game, you know that there's more to come down the line. I immediately wonder, does Shea Patterson want to transfer? Will these young men be let out of their letters of intent? Because truly it seems as if these young men who, of course, had nothing to do with these decisions that were being made are the ones who are going to have to suffer. Because at some point we do know that Hugh Freeze will likely get fired, but in the process of getting fired, he will get handsomely and well compensated. In addition to that, he will likely remain unemployed for a very short time, as he'll probably be an offensive coordinator on somebody else's staff and will likely then find himself getting a job elsewhere. While these young men and their parents who trusted in Hugh Freeze, trusted in the program, are going to find themselves being casualties of the poor decisions made by Hugh Freeze and his staff. Because although Hugh Freeze will likely at some particular point fall on the knife, why is it that the young men who decided to trust him who had nothing to do with this situation, will be forced to suffer. Because we've seen this circus before. Even though we know that it, of course, is a conflict with us in our own mindset in regards to young men having to pay for the sins of the people who who are fired and no longer there, we do know that that is something that has happened historically. 
saw that happen at USC. We saw what happened at Penn State. We saw it happen at North Carolina. We are going to see it happen at Ole Miss. And we're and we know ultimately the coaches will not suffer much. As of course Bo Davis, who was ensnared in NCAA allegations, he returned. He left Alabama. Da, 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 da. He's returned to be a defensive line coach for the University of Texas San Antonio, making a handsome salary. Da, 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 da. UNC, the defensive line coach who was responsible for referring young men to take the African-American Studies program at UNC, Mr. Blake, who also was responsible for completely ruining a, a program at Oklahoma post pre-Bob Stoops. Dun, 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 dun. He's a defensive line coach in the NFL making bank. Yet again, these coaches find themselves making decisions that ultimately fatten their wallets, bolster their resumes, while these young men find themselves being the byproducts who suffer the, the most. But, again, that's college football, right? Right? I mean, that's how it's, it's not supposed to be that way, right? Maybe Hugh Freeze at one particular point when he coached at Briar Harrison in Memphis, he coached because he enjoyed it, because it was fun. I wonder when it no longer became fun for Hugh Freeze. I truly do, and I truly wonder if Hugh Freeze could do it again. When he was offered that job, after, of course, serving as an offensive coordinator uh, during his time uh, at Arkansas State, would he have taken it if he knew that this is what would have happened? Because I'm more than sure that the same football that he fell in love with during his time at Briarcrest in Memphis it's not the form of football that he's playing right now. But you know what? I want to play the speech, and then after that, we're going to continue talking. But before I continue, I do want to let you guys, remind you guys, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can also check me out on Stitcher, and also you can check me out on SoundCloud. Be sure and check it out. But without further ado, This is the speech that Hugh Freeze has given in his head but will likely never give to you guys. Here it goes. You know, 900 million Chinamen couldn't give a damn. They couldn't care less about this press conference. But I love basketball. I'm a dolphin. I just love it. You know, sometimes a world doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me except on the basketball court. And that's good enough for me. Coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to ask this question or I wouldn't be doing my job. 
Would you care to comment on the rumor that you uh, arranged for an automobile to be purchased for Neon Bedeau? You know, you know, Ed, you just got to get your mind out of the gutter. You know, you, you just got to start thinking straight. I mean, it's right there in front of you. For Christ's sake, it wasn't an automobile. I mean, it was a fully loaded Lexus. <laughs> the damn car had everything. It, it had everything, didn't it, Happy? I mean, that car was fully loaded, wasn't it? No, no, Coach. It was a nuclear surfboard, remember? <laughs> you know, and the damn thing of it is, Ed, is, he, you know, Neon, he didn't want it. He, he didn't want the car. He didn't want to, he didn't ask for anything, but, you know, he wasn't for sale. But we got it for him anyway. I mean, and I, I think personally that it would have been a hell of a deal, a, a good price. I mean, uh, I mean, what did Neon do tonight? Does anybody know how many boards did Neon have tonight? Thirteen. Thirteen? Thirteen boards? Well, there you are. It would have been a hell of a deal. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Neon would have done if we had tried to give him a Ferrari? I mean, for Christ's sake, he might have scored 40 or 50 points. I mean, who knows? Who knows what he would have done for a Ferrari? Now, you know, Neon, he, he, he didn't take anything. He didn't want anything. But some of the others did, didn't they, Happy? Wasn't there some of the other kids? What did we give them? What, cars? Tractors? Give a kid a tractor? Another kid would give a house? Didn't we give him a house? You know, bags of cash. I don't know what we gave these kids. You know, they asked for things. We gave it to them. I mean, you guys asked me to win, and I gave that to you. Right? And the alumni are all jerking off over this win, which is the only time the alumni ever jerk off, right, is when we win. Because this ain't about education. It ain't much about winning, and it sure as hell ain't much about basketball. It's about money. Just goddamn money. That's what it's about, Ed. And, I mean, unfortunately, exactly what's going on right now with Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is realizing that it's no longer about football anymore. It's about boosters. It's about he has now created an expectation, a level of winning, and in order to feed that beast, he blurred the lines. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, unfortunately, is this is what happens everywhere. And the crazy thing is when you hear the clip, literally everything that was mentioned in that clip, which, of course, took place nearly 20 years ago, is exactly what happened in regards to what Ole Miss is accused of doing today. Think about it. 1997, in the clip, bags of money tractor, cars, house. Let's go ahead and read what the allegations say that Elvis did. Car loans for cars. Bags of money. $250,000 to the Kandishi family. $15,000 to a player. $2,000 to a player just to consider. It's the same cycle. The only difference is is the fact that Ole Miss got caught. Now, how this whole thing ultimately plays out, 
is I hate the fact that the person who's going to take the blame, the person who's going to take the brunt of all of this is going to be Hugh Freeze. And you know who's going to be there when the coaches goes? The same booster who paid to allow his land to be used for hunting, same boosters who allowed their hotel lodging to be provided for free, they're going to be there still. And it seems as if the biggest lesson from this is going to be those boosters who've learned that maybe that their way of cheating was just unacceptable. And they're just going to have to up their level of cheating. Because the crazy thing is, is everybody's going to make Hugh Freeze out to be the scapegoat. And don't get me wrong, he definitely does play some role in gaining some type of accountability in this issue. But realize that he alone did not create this problem. He alone, of course, is not paying out these these amounts of money to these players, their parents, and to these dealerships. This is money that's being paid out by boosters. Boosters who were there before you freeze. Boosters who were there during Ed Orgeron. Boosters who were there during Houston Nut. And you know what? Boosters who will likely still be there after the fact. Because when the NCA conducts its investigation, you guys notice the one name they never mention? Very rarely do they mention booster names. You'll see the players sprawled all over the screen. You'll see the coaches sprawled all over the screen, assistant coaches, all of them. But rarely will you see the name of a booster. And that, for me, is something that's very disturbing. Firing the coach, you don't solve the problem. You just, you're not killing the weed. You're just taking the top of it off. The roots are still there, and you still have an area where it's right for the weed just to regrow stronger. And that's exactly what's going to happen in this situation. Now, of course, I, for one, never, ever advocate for somebody being fired for truly feel for Hugh Freeze because it all happened so fast. It seems like it was only years ago that Michael Orr was, what, a lost sophomore in high school? Michael Orr was looking for direction and Hugh Freeze helped find that direction for him. And Michael Orr has been on, what, three teams since? He's been with the Baltimore Ravens, and now he's with the Carolina Panthers. Now for, what, eight years? So many things have changed, and I'm more than sure that Hugh Freeze's vision and expectation of the type of football that he once enjoyed, the type of football that he once loved, slowly slipping through his fingers. And it wasn't for anything other than for money the pressure to win, the pressure to satisfy boosters, the pressure to avoid being fired. Just think about it. If you knew that if doing it the right way would lead to you being fired, of course, everybody on their high horse will say, I will still do it the right way. But if knowing that you have family who rely and depend on you, knowing that You've now made certain investments and certain decisions that you will never be able to take back. 
faced with the decision that Hugh Freeze was faced with after suffering a tough loss in the Egg Bowl, after realizing that recruiting the way that you recruited at Arkansas State, recruiting the way that you did, and the way that you did it at Briarcrest was not going to work, would you continue down that path? Well, as I bring my show to a close, I leave that with that. I leave you with that thought. To everybody that criticizes Hugh Freeze for decisions that he's made, realize that you may have made those same decisions too. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Check this out on SoundCloud. We have now 190 days until kickoff. I can't wait. You can't wait. But until then. Stay tuned. I know I will. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in count and the number two and down. One word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports, and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happenings as well at eatdrinksleepsports.com. Until next time, college sports football fans, stay tuned. I know I will. Peace.